Welcome to Tucson New Thought. I was literally born at the wrong time in life. <laughs> no, I was not. I was born at the exact right time for this experience of life. And, you know, I might have been a crooner in the 40s. You never know. I mean, life is infinite. Life is constantly unfolding. And, um, you know, I, I'm gonna, I am a crooner in the 20s. Yeah. Oh. So, last week, I gave some homework. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You gave homework. Does anyone remember what the homework was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was not say something in the mirror. It was feelings, yeah. So, I, I, I offered this. Every single morning when you wake up, ask yourself two questions. The first question is this. What am I feeling? What am I feeling? The second question is, is this what I want to feel today? <laughs> and then there's the work. You can either go with what you're feeling or you get to redirect it. That was the homework last week to determine how you were going to redirect your feelings if you didn't wake up. You know, because has, has anyone ever woken up on the wrong side of the bed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're in charge of that. So the question is, how did it go? <laughs> Clearly with everyone remembering what the homework was, it went really well. <laughs> Because I even wrote, did you remember? <laughs> the first two days were easy. The first two days, right? The first two days are always easy. Ah, and there it is. There's the thing I was talking about. Consistency in practice. We must make a concerted effort to be consistent in the practice. And that's when life gets better. So if you are looking for a better life, you decide. Because you, you can come here every single Sunday and maybe that's not enough. Maybe it is enough. Maybe that's the level of consistency you need. Maybe so. But I have found in my life, and this is the reason that I do that mindful moment every single weekday, because it's about my spiritual practice. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's about me saying, what do I need to focus on today? And I just choose to do it publicly. So that consistency, it also holds me accountable to the world to say, I am going to be accountable to you in expressing and experiencing my spiritual practice and I invite you on the journey with me because maybe you'll get something from it. But I'm only ever talking about what I need to know in that moment and that includes Sundays. I only ever talk about what I need to know, what I need to learn. That's the trick, I would say, that's the trick of ministry. <laughs> this week is all about the mind. This month is all about the mind. This philosophy is all about the mind. Every week we are talking about one thing and one thing only, universal mind, our use of it, and that that is unfolding as the law of cause and effect. I know that sounds like three things, but it's really one thing. It is the process of creation. It is the process of creation by means of each and every one of us. So I'm going to start with this quote from Ernest Holmes. Life is a mirror and will reflect back to the thinker what they think into it. Life is a mirror and will reflect back to the thinker what they think of it. There is power in the mirror. There is power in the mirror. I love that image. When I found that image, I was like, ooh, it's so exciting. 
In the realm of basics, and this is back to it's so funny. The, Back to basics is over here in the first celebrate or the first uh, gathering, and it's over there in the second gathering. Back to basics is the theme of the month. The mirror being a reflection of the mind must have something to reflect. It must have something to reflect. So everything that shows up in the world of form, that is the reflection to what is happening in our mind. Fundamental to this philosophy is that notion. Everything that shows up in the world of form first starts in mind. Everything is created twice, first in mind and then in form. First in mind and then in form. The thing that is reflected, and I'm going to use a jargon term here. I'm going to use a term that you will learn in class. It's just going to keep coming up, right? <laughs> I'm going to use a term that some people go, what does that mean? Because I did that for many years, because people would throw this term around. And I would say, oh, yeah, I really understand that. No, I don't. <laughs> Doesn't that happen sometimes when you hear, like, uh, there's a language that is spoken in groups that are consistent, and the language can sometimes feel foreign to those who are not in that group? So I'm going to teach you part of our language here. That thing that is reflected begins with an idea in mind. That idea in mind we call the mental equivalent. The mental equivalent. Now you'll hear it everywhere you go if you go to a religious science church. People are going to be talking about mental equivalent all the time. And you'll probably become more aware of hearing it now that I've explained it to you. So the mental equivalent is the idea in mind. What flows forth from the mental equivalent is the construct of our lives. That's getting back to basics. Don't get lost in the jargon. The mental equivalent is just an idea. That's it. I mean, we could very easily say, ah, that thing out there, it started with an idea in mind. But we like to, you know, jargon. we like to jargon it up. Oh, that thing out there, it started with my mental equivalent. <laughs> And I'm going to utilize my mental equivalent to create the magnificence of my life. Doesn't that sound hoity-toity? <laughs> that idea, those ideas, everything in mind, just consistently flows forth into experience. Our basic work in this philosophy, there is a basic... There is basic work in this philosophy. Our basic work in this philosophy is not to try and manipulate and change things out there. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't taken a ballet class in 20 years, but somehow... <laughs> our basic work is to develop awareness. That's the basic work of the science of mind, to develop awareness. All new thought philosophies are essentially teaching the same thing. They have different modes to get there. They have different ways of getting there. But the basic work is to develop awareness. It is only in awareness that we can do something about the flow and expression of our lives. Only in awareness can we do that. We know what we know. Well, at least most of us know what we know. I mean, you can look to things and say, oh, I know that, right? So we know what we know. Sometimes we know what we don't know. For instance, this book, The Science of Mind, when I first came to this philosophy, 
I didn't know what I didn't know that was written in this book. But I knew that there was something written in this book and that the only way to know it was to deepen my sense of study into it. So we can identify often the things we don't know. We, don't, we, we know what we don't know. The challenge comes in this notion. We always don't know what we don't know. We always don't know what we don't know. I talked about this in the, uh, in the, uh, in the 9 o'clock gathering this morning. You ready? 100% of our thoughts create. 100% of our thoughts create. And we are aware of about 10%. So 90% of our thoughts below the level of awareness are still creating. That's why I say our work in this philosophy is to deepen into awareness, to bring to the surface those things which are below the level of awareness. Ernest Holmes wrote, so much of our ordinary thinking lapses into habitual patterns with little variation from one day to the next. Our lives mirror this. We live then as limited. We are limited by the habitual thinking and 90% of our thinking below the level of awareness, that's just the habit and thought. That is, those, are the, those, are the, those are the patterns that we have created to live a construct of life. And what I really love about this philosophy, and it actually goes with what I said earlier, is to really deepen into that understanding that I can have a thought, and I can have an idea, I can have a belief, but until I am consistent in the expression and the embodiment of that, it will not change my life. And so I go to that question, what can I do? What can I do to activate and embody the ideas and the principles and the beliefs that I would like to activate and embody so that my life moves forward in, a, in an evolutionary manner, which is all that I am personally ever seeking. I choose to live life constructively. And there are many people who choose to live life destructively. I'm not gonna talk about them today because I know all the people in this room are only ever living constructively, right? Yes, yes. In that song, there is a lyric that has always resonated with me. I bet you know what it is. I think I know. I saw you give a look to each other when that lyric was sung. And I think you gave a look to each other when that lyric was sung too. It's my favorite lyric in the whole song. It is this, you hold the key to love and fear in your trembling hand. Just one key unlocks them both. It's there at your command. What are you choosing to unlock today, love or fear? because one key will unlock both. But you get to make the decision. Each and every one of us gets to make the decision about what it is we would like to unlock in our lives. That one key is deepened awareness, a sense of the infinite self, the knowledge that there is so much more and all of it is available to be expressed by means of each and every one of us. For we are not, as I said it before, we are not, as Rumi says, the drop in the ocean, we are the entire ocean in a drop. The infinite nature of the universe is being expressed and reflected as us at every single moment, no matter what. But to activate it, we must remember who we are. 
don't believe everything you think. <laughs> Good idea, right? Don't believe everything you think. I have fallen into that trap in my life. Uh, there's a core belief that I used to hold. Actually, let me explain what core beliefs are first. So, 100% is creating, 90% is below the surface. The habitual thoughts are the things that are most easily activated by our mental equivalent. Why? Because we believe those things without questioning them. Those habitual things are things we believe without questioning them. I call them core beliefs already established premise. It's an already established premise in our lives, those beliefs. And we, they're, 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 we are deep in them. And again, bringing to the level of awareness those established premises that we are not aware of, that's the work. So core belief I used to have was actually rooted in a collective idea among actors. For those of you who don't know, and I love to talk about it, right? I was an actor for a couple decades before I came into ministry. And when I was studying ministry, I continued to work in the, in the theater. Um, but there may be a core belief and an idea that is existing in this room right here and right now that is what we call, well, we call, we call this race consciousness. And I don't really like using that term because it gets misunderstood so much. I like to say it's a collective idea a collective idea shared by a group of people. That's what I'm talking about here. So there is a collective idea that is shared really strongly among actors, but a lot of people who are not even in that field have this idea too. And so it maintains itself in our belief system until we choose to do something about it. And it is thus, the idea of the starving artist. I went through four years to get a degree in theater production. And when I left with my degree, I am a theater production bachelor of fine arts. It was very exciting. It was very exciting. And I immediately, a couple weeks later, flew to New York City. And I, the one thing that I said is, I will not work as a waiter. <laughs> I'll do many other things, but I will not work in food service because that is such a cliche, you know. Oh, I'm an actor. Great. What restaurant do you work at? <laughs> Not what show are you doing right now? What restaurant do you work at? But I, fell, I found myself still falling into that concept that was so prevalent in my community and in the world of being a starving artist. And it is insidious because until I was made aware that it was my thoughts and my beliefs that were running the show, I lived within what was already established. See how that works? See how that works? And so I was living in New York. I lived at 45th and 10th. It was still called Hell's Kitchen at that point. It is now called Clinton. <laughs> and it's very Disney-fied. But I lived at 45th and 10th, and I lived in this little tiny apartment. It was, well, it was called a two-bedroom apartment. Right. <laughs> and I lived there. I had a roommate. He had the other bedroom. His bedroom was literally this, like, it was a, it was a converted closet. That's what it was. I at least had the bedroom that had a window. <laughs> he had no windows in his bedroom, but he liked it dark. Anyway, so I lived in this tiny little apartment. I'm like, oh, something I can afford. There's a core belief. 
what is the level of affordability that I was experiencing living in New York. So I lived at 45th and 10th. Do I dare say this? Yes. And I got to know the prostitute who worked that corner. And there was a taxi stand downstairs. And so all night long, there were taxis and taxis coming and having their wheels replaced and all this stuff. And it was just noisy. And, but I had this idea, I have to suffer for my art. I'm going to live as a starving artist. How do you think that worked out for me? What restaurant did you end up working? <laughs> <laughs> At least you wouldn't starve. You know what? So that was the that, so that was actually part that was part way into what I consider the multi decades of my acting career because I did a lot of shows while I was in university. Actually, my first professional gig was when I was in high school. Um, but I went. I, I will tell you, I did not work in food service ever again until I moved back to Tucson last year. <laughs> And then I had a brief stint working over at Dedicated for several months. Yeah. Um, no, actually what ended up happening is uh, I did work in a restaurant, but I did not work as a server. It was a restaurant that had a cabaret club associated with it, and I was actually hired to be the technical director for that cabaret club. Um, so, you know, I found things, but I wasn't necessarily always doing what it was I was trained to do, because I still lived in that concept, starving artist. When I left New York, I was there for three years. When I left New York, 20 years ago this year, when I left New York and I went to LA, that's when it all changed. Because I actually got on board with this understanding. I can live a comfortable life. I can do what I want to do in this world. And I don't have to make it look like anything I think it should look like. And I don't have to do it the way anybody else did it. And so at that point, you know what happened? I started acting all the time. I, I got cast in, I, well, I'll never talk about the movie that I did. Um, it's terrible, don't look it up. Seriously, don't look it up. It, 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 well, if you do, I apologize. I really do profusely apologize for that being in the world. But my love was always theater. So here I am in LA where everybody thinks, oh, you're gonna be in television and film right? No. I started doing theater very early on after I had transitioned into living in that world, and I lived very comfortably, and I worked all the time. There was pretty much never a point where I was not performing in a show for the 12 years that I lived in LA. And then I became a minister. <laughs> and I'm still performing every single week. <laughs> So here's, 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 here's why I bring all of that up. It was all reflecting to me, as me, through me, perfectly through that entire experience. All I had to do to change the experience of my life was change my mind. Because everything that shows up is the mirror to what's happening in my mind. All of it. 100% of it. The limitations that we feel in this room, I will tell you, are led by my limitations in mind because I was the one who decided we needed to have a smaller space to start because we actually had access to a larger space. And I said, no, 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 no. We're going to start small. And maybe on paper and with business principles that are rooted in past ideas, that was a good idea. It served us at the time. But you know what? We are, we are ready for so much more. I am ready for so much more. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah.
good. I can't tell you when it's happening, <laughs> but I guarantee you the leadership of this organization, we are working really hard to make it happen in as quickly a time frame as we can. So I lived in that core consciousness. I lived in that core belief. So here's my question to you. You don't have to come up with them right in this moment, but I would love for you to start to look at what are some core beliefs you have in your life that may or may not be serving you and then make some determinations this week about how you choose to move forward. The wake-up call to me was the understanding that my thoughts were limiting my experience of life and all I had to do was let go of those limiting ideas. The path is the path for every single one of us. The path is the path. So hold that mirror up. I look good. <laughs> The hair is on point today. <laughs> I do know that I want to lose this. And the terrible thing is this is a wide angle lens. Whenever I go watch the video, it always like, you know, the camera puts on 10 pounds. I'm like, is that what I really look like? I get to decide how I choose to be in this world. If this wants to go, I get to make that happen. All right. So. Our work is to make the nature of God, this creative, infinite energy, applicable to life. That's the science of mind and spirit. In the, in the random reading this morning, it was all talking about the scientific approach to this thing called the science of mind. And I started by saying, it's not really a science, but I approach it with this understanding that my life is the experiment. And I get to live in this infinite laboratory and consistently change the experience and the experiment to live a better life. We are never trying to change circumstances. That's another thing to get on board with. We are never trying to change the circumstances. Our work is to change our relationship to the circumstances in mind. And you know what happens invariably? The circumstances recreate themselves in alignment with what is in our mind. But so many of us come to this philosophy and, you know, you'll come to class and be like, oh, I want to create a new car. <laughs> the mental equivalent of a new car is not in the circumstance, it is in mind. It all starts in mind. It all begins by laying down our burdening thoughts. Christy asked me about this glass of water today. Oh, now there are fingerprints on it. I didn't really want fingerprints on it, but you can't probably see them as easily as I can. So what question might I ask about this glass of water? That's usually the question that people say, oh, yes, that's the question he's probably going to ask because it's like, are you an optimist or a pessimist? It's not the question I'm going to ask. This is the question I'm going to ask. How heavy is this glass of water? Any thoughts on how heavy this glass of water is? Well, can you guess? So, so, ah, that's the answer. As long as I hold this out, you know, I can hold this. What? I can hold this up for a minute. Not really an issue. The longer I hold it, say I try to hold it for an hour. Right here. Not put it down. That glass is going to feel a lot heavier in an hour. Imagine I try to hold this up for a year. Consistent beliefs that are not in service to your well-being are like this glass if you hold on to them.
and they will weigh you down until you become paralyzed by them. So the call, really, this entire month in saying getting back to basics is this. Do the work. Do the work. So I've given you one tool today. Change the statement, I can't, and ask the question, what can I do? Or how can I? Whatever, whatever serves you, whatever phrase serves you. But I also want to have us each start looking at this. If you have the state, so I am is an affirmation, right? We start the, aff the, the affirmation for the month, I am, I can't remember it now. Isn't that terrible? I'm like, it's up there. I can't remember it, which is why I give you all the little business cards. So you can carry them around and you can be reminded of them and you can take business cards and hand them out to people and say, I want you to know what I know about you. Of infinite possibility. It's not in the program, it's on the business cards. I'm a magnificent blank page of infinite possibility. Feels good to live in affirmation, right? So many of us live in denial. We utilize negative statements. I am poor, I am weak, I am broke, I'm unhappy. Your life is unfolding based on the statements that you affirm. If you are saying, I'm upset, that is going to create the experience of being upset. So the work this week, it's actually an Eckhart Tolle exercise. Eliminate I am followed by a negative statement and utilize a question. So instead of saying, I am upset, stop yourself the minute you realize you're saying it and ask yourself this question, why do I feel upset? And then go on the spiritual journey to uncover that belief below the level of awareness that is expressing itself as upset in your life, that is expressing itself as the feeling of upset in your life, and then choose to do something about it. I can't tell you what that something is because it's going to be a unique expression by means of each and every one of you, whatever those things are that come up for you. You get to decide how you want to approach it. But the start is to say, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do the work. Instead of, I am a procrastinator. I was. I was. I used to be. Because there was a point where I had to ask the question, why do I feel the need to procrastinate? Why do I feel the need to put things off? When I discovered the answer that was personal to myself, you know what happened? I was no longer in the experience of being a procrastinator. So that's the homework this week. Change I am, negative statement, and ask yourself the question, why? Ask yourself the question, why? That is a fundamental way to get back to basics in this philosophy. That is saying, I am willing to hold up the mirror and recognize something more deeply about myself. And it is willing to say, I am doing the work and therefore I will live the results. Namaste. Hello, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of My Sunday Message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, www.tucsonnewthought.org. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.